Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Lumia. And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches. Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Life Coaching. Today, we have a special guest with us today, Tim Brownson. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So glad to hear that. And you are the fully booked coach, which mm-hmm. is a topic that is important to all coaches. And your website says that you help coaches attract more paying clients with less stress, more fun, and zero bullshit. This mm. speaks to me. Fantastic. <laughs> In so many ways, these are the burning questions that coaches have. How do I do this? Uh, So would you be so kind as to orient our listeners to where you are in the world, what your practice is all about so that we have a good foundation to dive in? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm in England now in the very southwest tip down in in Cornwall. I lived in Florida for 14 years. In fact, I pretty much started my coaching practice in 2006, in February 2006 in in Orlando. Um, And now to begin with, I I was a life coach. That's what I trained in back in, originally started 2004 doing some stress management training, then um, coach training in 2005. And then went full-time 2006 and and coached just as a life coach. I say just as a life coach, but as a life coach for really struggled, um, struggled exceptionally well. I, I I was a martyr to my cause, sitting by the pool most nights, drinking a beer and reading a self-development book, thinking, well, the clients will soon come, which of course they didn't. You know, I, I left 20 years of sales thinking, uh, well, if I know sales, then I'll be able to get clients. But obviously marketing is different. So then I had to get my finger out my ass, quite frankly, one day when my wife said to me, you're not, you're not still on effing vacation, you know? And I'm like, ah, she does make a good point. I'm kind of treating this because you're in, you know, I had 40 years of being cold all the time and suddenly it's glorious and this is sit by the pool weather, so which it always is in Orlando. Uh, so then I just really dove into marketing a little bit like I did sales many years before and, uh, Started to build the business uh, very well. Uh, was getting fifteen hundred universities a day at one point to the website. I was getting, I got up to twelve thousand people on my newsletter list, and uh, I had a bunch of posts go go viral and hundreds of thousands of page views. And and then I started to get coaches coming to me and asking me, you know, can you help me do what you did? So I, it was very very organic that I got into working with coaches, and that was I don't know two thousand eleven two thousand twelve. And then I set up a separate business because of my messaging was, it was like, I didn't know what to write about on my blog. So I was writing these blog posts. I was somewhere aimed at coaches and somewhere aimed at just people in self-development that might be interested in life coaching. So that was just blurring the lines and making my position um, a little bit uh, murky. So I set up a separate business, which was called Coach the Life Coach then uh in 2013 with a, new, a different website and then ran the businesses parallel for a, a while and just just basically gradually morphed into just working almost all, all, almost with entirely with, with, with coaches just naturally not really going out looking for the 
the work. And I just loved it because whereas I, you know, and I know you teach um, co-active ICF, which is, uh, and I love uh, co-active coaching as well. And, I, and But working with coaches allowed me to do both. Yeah. So I could do the co-active element, but then I could flip. And because, you know, if, if there's something objective that you want to know the answer to, I can, you know, ask clever questions, you know, until I'm blue in the face. But sometimes it's easier. We'll just go and do this. You know, that'll work. And then we don't need to mess around with that. So it allows me to flip back and forth. And my original business, adaringadventure.com, is still going and I still occasionally work. If anybody goes to the site, I'm looking about 12, 13 years younger than I am now. So I was still clinging on to my 40s when the images were taken for that site. And I still do a little bit. Probably, you know, I probably work with two or three clients a year, usually from referral for for coaching and uh but then and now we're, moved, we're back in the uk we moved back uh, uh, during the pandemic great time to move continents two dogs no house in the pandemic raging that's always the best time to move you pick up any book it's going to tell you that so we're back here and we settle now and, and it's good to be back but I, I miss the weather i must say yeah and i i hear that i mean laying poolside mm. sounds marvelous i'm on the east coast of the u.s and I don't have that same experience except for a couple no. months there. <laughs> well, I, I love your story. Um, I started getting interested in the space of coaching around 2006 as well. And mm. I've really grown up with the space. I started in my 20s and now I'm in my 40s as a coach trainer, as a coach kind of looking out into the landscape and so much has changed about the fields, mm -hmm. about the discipline. Um, but I think the spirit of coaching and why people get into the space has remained the same. What was it for you that drew you into the space of coaching itself? Um, so about, it would have been around about 1998, 99 and, and a, and a a customer at the time bought me Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. And said, here, I think you'd like this. And that sort of catapulted me into the world of self-development that I didn't know existed. So then I would have been in my uh, late 30s um, and just stressed all the time, you know, very successful in terms of, of income and results in the sales industry. But permanently a state of stress you know just waiting for friday so i could start drinking and and quote unquote relax over the weekend and, and take it easy and they, they, you know i worked in some of the periods working in advertising as well which is a very very you know driven industry um so i started just listening to more and more uh, books on cd and just buy every book i could find and we used to go to the u.s quite often on vacation i had a job actually used to take me to to the u.s sometimes so and i'd go and hit the bookstores i've been to um would have been Barnes and noble and then just buy every self-development cd that, that i could and just listen to them and really got into it and started to make a difference to my life and, that, and that i can't remember and i've been asked this before you know how did you hear about coaching that i can't remember how i found out about it and i actually mentioned it to a manager of mine at the time and he said you'd be great at that you'd be a really good coach and um i'm thinking like does he really mean that or does he just want me to leave <laughs> and he's just too kind <laughs> to say you know so so i i did uh, and i mentioned before i did a stress management diploma to work on myself and that was at sheffield university in 2004 and i thought well, i'm going to do some coach training um and just you know just to see uh, just how it goes it'll make me a better sales manager at the time you know 
uh, and I loved it. I just mm. absolutely loved it. I did it, and I just thought, this is great. And you meet, you know, I think most of the people, I did a load of training then, so I went into the 15-day practice, NLP practitioner, two NLP master practitioners, sort of back-to-back. And you, you meet so many people that, that, that are like you. You don't, you know, normally my friends would be like rolling their eyes, me wanting to talk about this, and suddenly all these people want to talk about this that are just really obsessed with self-development and making changes and helping other people and and so on and so forth. And so it was kind of like no looking back. And I knew we were moving to the US and, and I just thought, I do not want to move to the US and stay in sales. At least in the US, in the UK, I was getting like five weeks paid vacation a year. I'd have been lucky if I'd have got a week with a you know, went to a new country um, like the US. I'd already worked for one US sales business, which was a nightmare. Just so driven target and just just get out and sell well, they don't need this doesn't matter sell it to them anyway you know so uh, so i just thought okay I'm, I'm i'm gonna do that and and uh it was great I, you know i love it i still love coaching i'm still as passionate about it now as when i started yeah and i, I think a couple of things that you said really struck me is the obsession with self-development and change mm. That mm. is what led me into the space from a really different juxtaposition. I was in my early 20s. I was struggling with eating disorders and depression. I didn't think I was smart. I didn't mm. really feel I was like 20s are supposed to be, you know, in lore, the best times of your life. And I was watching right, my own right. kind of implode. And I discovered that there was a field called coaching that was dedicated to um, helping people move forward and change and grow in a positive way. And mm-hmm. I was like, shit, I need wow, that. Yeah. And, and so it, it led yeah. me you know, straight away in. And um, I've had a, a private practice for about uh, 12 years now, word of mouth only. Folks have just kind of found me. So I'm really interested to talk Brilliant. to you about you know, taking a, a, a marketing approach and, and yeah. what that do for a coach practitioner. And then as I, as you were sharing, I was thinking about um, the value that we find at Lumia inside of our coach training program. Cause you're so right. When you love this stuff, your friends mm. don't want to talk about it with you. <laughs> no, they don't. It's just not again. Please get it, get him out of here now. Yeah. And so having that community to truly be, you know, validated in your interest, mm-hmm. in your passion, and your purpose is is I think the wellspring that people really mm-hmm. need to just, you know, get up and and moving with this stuff. Um so when you got into, you know, working through your practice, you kind of gave us the cliff notes, mm-hmm. but if you were to really isolate and say, you know, what were one or two of the most important things that you did or learned in order to take your practice from we are limping along to holy shit, I'm actually able yeah. to measure the amount of engagement and and traction and really seeing real results building up you know what were the most important pieces of awareness for you well i think i i I definitely know the first one the first one and and it was i was very fortunate that somebody said to me you ought to get into blogging and this was uh, middle of 2006 i guess 
and I was aware of blogging, but I thought it was just, you know, teenagers sat in the bedrooms and, and what have you. And, and I started to look into it and I did, did set up a blog. And in those days, you know, kids today, they don't know how lucky they've got it with WordPress. You know, I did have, I think WordPress was maybe going, but you, it was just such a pain in the ass to be doing yes. in those days. The amount of, just took so long to do everything, you know. And I started doing that and could, could see almost immediately that I was starting to gain some traction because there, were, there, there weren't many people, uh, there was quite a close-knit community of, of bloggers doing um, self-development and we all knew each other. So I know some people back then that were all, that are quite, that went on to be quite big. You know, I mean, one of the people that started at the same time as me was Leo Babiu too, who, uh, who did Zen Habits, which exploded to a million subscribers at one point. And there's, there's others from that, that era as well. So, um, but there was nobody doing what I did in terms of with, with my humor, using a lot of humor. And also I had a tendency to swear a lot in my blog and write about politics and just talk about anything, you know. So uh, I'm always very respectful when I go on somebody else's blog, but anybody who lands on my website, you know, they won't go far down before they hit an F-bomb or what have you. Um, so there was that. And, and then it was on the back of that, deciding to start a newsletter. Mm. Now they're the two. They're the two hubs in my business, and and I think they are for any online business. Yeah, I'm not against doing paid paid ads and stuff, but you got to understand that that the minute you stop paying money to Google or Facebook or whoever it is, then the your, your clients dry up. Whereas with a blog, I got a client the other day. This was about two weeks ago. Been on my newsletter for 14 years. Wow. And she, she started with the Down Adventure. She wasn't a coach then. She followed me on that. And then she moved over to Coach a Life Coach when I started uh, um, writing a newsletter there. And then she just contacted me. Now, that's unusual. I do that very often. You know, but it's not unusual for two or three years. So I think, so to me, it was to start to build that list where, you know, with a list, you can you, you can demonstrate you know you can help people basically, and then you can demonstrate the three things you, you know the eat acronym, which is expertise, authority, which builds trust. You know, so uh, it would be that it would be blogging and 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 then starting a newsletter on the back back of that and driving traffic to my newsletter rather than something I see a lot of coaches doing now, which is almost always a mistake, which is trying to sell people straight onto coaching from your homepage. Mm. People aren't ready to make that kind of investment before they know. You know, we're not an impulse buy. People have to know you, trust you, get familiar with you before they're going to shell out several hundred or several several thousand dollars. Absolutely, and and you bring up a really interesting point about how to contextualize what an audience is. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of coaches today, when they first start, the concept of an audience almost exclusively lives on social media because mm-hmm. that's probably the most visible example that we have. How many followers right. you have, how many right. followers on TikTok, Instagram, you know, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're talking about is is building a relationship through content and mm-hmm. then having a more intimate relationship where your messaging is actually going into someone's inbox, which right. is 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 a is it so can you splice out um you know where we are today do you use do you recommend social content for audience building how do we understand the relationship aspect 
Yeah, I think so. You know, I think social is important, and I think it's it's a, it's a supporting pillar of of the overall thing. But um, the, the the problem you got with, with social is so. For example, I've got a Facebook group, which is I only allow coaches and don't allow any marketers, and it's a safe space for coaches. And there's close on seven thousand coaches in there. Well, probably six thousand five hundred people in that group never see anything that I put in there or other people because that's the way that Facebook works. Facebook, you know, I, I've got a, a, a Facebook page for for the fully booked coach with over four thousand subscribers. I, I just don't even bother posting to it anymore. It's just a waste of time because you're going to look if you get half a percent reach. You know, Facebook's throttling that all the time because they want to pay for ads. So what I use. Uh, social for is more to to cross pollinate. So I'll drive traffic from my newsletter to my Facebook group, my Facebook group to the newsletter to the website, and just back and forth. So that because if I send out a newsletter, you know, at least over half the people aren't going to read that newsletter or, or see it for various reasons. So maybe they'll they'll then see it in the Facebook group if I don't get them there, or maybe uh, well, that's really all I I bother with now. I, I use Twitter, but it's mainly for to follow marketers whose information I value and, and comedy. I, I use it for, and that's about, I very rarely post uh, Twitter. So Facebook for me is the, is a primary one. But if fa- if Facebook just pulled the plug on me um, today, it would be a pain in the arse. It would be a, it would be a big pain. In the, but it, that, it would be just like, oh, this is going to be, it's going to create more work for me. If you, took my newsletter list off me it's like shit i have really got to scramble now to you know to start generating because probably uh, 80 percent plus of my clients are on my newsletter list now they may j- join as they're thinking of hiring me um but they're still you know it's important and and like you say when you when you're emailing somebody and one of the keys to good emails at, at our level at, 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 B to C, you know, business to consumer is is really is making it personal. So people feel like they know you. Most people have a sense that they know me. So I am very who I am in the Facebook group. So I still will talk about politics and do things that you technically shouldn't do. But especially now in an AI world, we, we've got to, you know, our personal brand is incredibly important. Most coaches don't either don't think it is or they think they've just got to be like every other coach and just this vanilla it's like oh i'm so happy to be alive and i drink coffee and you know whatever it's just like great but that's not the reason for people to you know people want a personality you've got to be prepared to just like alienate 90 percent of people not in a way not necessarily you don't have to be a dick about it like i can be sometimes um, but you've not got to be scared of thinking, oh, somebody doesn't like me because I've said something that they don't agree with. You cannot operate like that. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think that we can underestimate the role of fear as a blocker for, for young coaches in in creating authentic content. Um, we are in the age of cancel culture, and right. so you know, the statement, you've got to alienate 90% of your audience can be absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, because what happens, you know, the first thing that happens when we get a sense that we've done something wrong is our mm-hmm. limbic system fires up, yeah, our yeah. system fires up, and we get like the death feelings, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. so it, in in order to find your people, 
you have to really toughen up and get real on the fact that it's actually really great if you piss people off. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, you, because you because it's impossible to uh, to to make everybody happy. Just just follow anybody, any a, a list celeb on. I, I follow a few people on Twitter as much as anything to just to read the comment thread. And you got these, you know. People who hate them, people who love them, for the, they can't do any wrong, they can't do any right. And it's just like, obviously, it's always somewhere in the middle, but, it, it, you know, how do they manage that? Well, it's just you get immune to it after a while. Yeah. You know, so uh, for any coach, you've got to – it's that the, – the first when the first person that pushes back – you know, I used to – when I used to get unsubscribes from my newsletter going back, you know, into the, the late noughties and what have you – I'd just be like, oh, I can't believe, why is that, why is that person, especially if I knew them, because in the very early days, I'd know, oh, why have I done, what have I done, what have I said? And, and it, you know, but after a while, you did, and now I'm at the point now where if I don't get any unsubscribes from a newsletter, I go into it think, okay, what haven't I done it? Because I want ah. to be pushing people all the time. I don't want to, I, I actually hate upsetting people. I do not like doing it, but I have to push them. It's just because I'm not right for, I cannot work with everybody and everybody definitely doesn't want to work with me, you know, because I'm a certain type of personality. So this is, this, this often feels like a huge mountain, you know, for folks to, to climb. And when we were prepping for this, um, you mentioned the importance of coaches bringing their, their values into their yeah. brand marketing. And yeah. to me, that felt like a great starting point to begin to think about how to shape content. Can you explain yeah. a little bit about that process? And we can even use me as, as a case study because my, my coaching practice is word of mouth only. So if I were to suddenly okay. take mine um using my values what is how do, what does this look like what is this process well i mean the, first of all most coach he, he, so i've worked with you know hundreds and hundreds of coaches and, and i've taken hundreds of coaches through the process that i developed which is called the clarity method and most people don't really understand what the values are they talk about the values and they tend to be very general, but they don't, they, when you actually start to ask them and push them, they don't really know what the values are. So, so, so it's probably going to be, if, if, do you know, we, <laughs> I've got, I'm going to ask you now what your values, so what, what would you say your top three values are then? From a coaching perspective um, and from a personal perspective, um, you know, I, I, freedom is, is one of my, my top values. Um, and, and I can even drill down uh, on that. So um, what I do in my own coaching practice, my background is, is actually human sexuality. And so I came into the space of coaching from the lens of understanding societal shame and mm -hmm. how that imposes these ideas on humans of what they should look like, who they should love, how they mm -hmm. should function in the world. And so my value of freedom pertains really specifically to unshackling right. from okay so that's that's probably my number one um my second value is love mm -hmm. uh, absolute unconditional love and the way that that shows up in the space of of coaching for me is um 
is is truly understanding, you know, a really fundamental precept of coaching, which is that um, people are whole, capable, and good, and that nobody, you know, wakes up in the morning and says, "I'm going to be an asshole today." I mean, some people do, but but for the most part, you know, everybody wakes up, and 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 we are these these pure souls that life has happened to, life has happened around. We've developed pain, we've developed deficits. So when I come at coaching from a perspective of love. We're getting to that pure essence of potential right. and humanity. Um, and then I think my third value would be um, grit. That um, in my own life uh, and my expectation for my clients is that we do the hard work for the long haul. And mm-hmm. that it's going to be ugly crying. It's going to be pain. It's going to be, you know, tumult. And growth itself is actually quite a violent process. So, you know, we're not looking for rainbows and unicorns. We're, we're trying to get to the crack open spot. So, interestingly, you kicked off by saying about your, your personal values and your business values. If you think they're the same, they absolutely should for any coach. To me, they should be exactly the same. I think it becomes – it's a little bit different for you because you employ people and, and you know, it's an organization where it's me, it's just me. And, you know, it, my values, my personal values and business values are exactly the same. There's, there, there's no uh, diversion whatsoever. So if I'm taking my pillars of love, humor, or love, well, I'm using yours now too, love <laughs> After. And, yeah. and freedom, and I'm saying, all right, you know, I'm going to start creating content and, and building a personal brand based on these pillars what like legit what do i do <laughs> like what like where how what what's the what's step one in this well, well I, I think the the, the step uh, i wouldn't start with with values to build content i would start with the step one for me for, for my clients would be the client journey so okay. so where, where where do you take your clients so, so for me it would be when I work with a client, you know, the first session is obviously getting to understand their business and what have you. The second session is almost always, you know, what it, what, what their niche is and then what the brand is. Because there has to be a logical progression because you can't, what you, you shouldn't be designing your website if you don't know what your niche is or you don't know what your client avatar is or you've no idea your messaging and positioning. You shouldn't be writing copy if you, again, if you don't know those things, there's a progression. So I think for most yeah, I think for most coaches, it should be thinking out. Okay, where you're gonna, where you're gonna take your, your the order you're gonna take your clients. Now, no, no, it's not a linear process. It's not always going to be like that, but it gives you an idea of what are the areas that I cover off, and then you go back into those to talk about those topics, and that's when you start with the with the messaging. You start bringing your values in. So, so for you, it would be yeah. You know, if you're talking about a topic doesn't matter what the topic is, then bringing in about, you know, talk about stories about how you demonstrated grit and other people can too. Talk about stories, you know, you're, you were saying, you know, before we came on air that you back and forth between Philly and the West Coast and whatever, you could talk about that because there's a freedom element to that. that you, you know, you don't want to maybe live over there and you, you come back and forth, you, you know, so freedom's important to me. So, you know, we live in the middle of nowhere in Cornwall and we went and lived in Florida because we wanted to, we came back because we wanted to. So you can mix those things in when you start to tell person stories because as coaches you know we're in the connection business people hire us if they connect to us if the if the nobody hires a coach they don't like yeah, yeah that would be ludicrous i'm not maybe it's happened i don't know so, you, you know there's always exceptions but as a rule people don't hire and, and we like people 
who are like us and also are a bit vulnerable to us. So yeah. the, you can have, but you know, I talk a lot about, you, you know, I often say, you know, I'm more like an oil spill than an oil painter. I'm aware I'm in my sixties, I'm old and, you know, but it's like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is who I am. You know, so, so for you, it's just bringing all that stuff. And I'm sure it happens. No, I'm sure it happens naturally with you. And yeah. in fact, uh, I know. And, and, and by the way, I, I want to say this, if I may, because the reason why we're having this conversation now is because the reason why I contacted Lumia to begin with is because I had three, I, I'm not a big fan of, of ICF training, but I had three clients within the space of about four months all rave over Lumia and say how caring you were and how much you looked after you. And I said to the last one, Christine Erica, I said, look, I've got to contact these people because I would like to recommend a training company, but there's none that I don't feel are just in it for the money. And so that's why I contacted you originally and now come to this. I hope I've not embarrassed you by saying no, no, I mean, not at all. Like, and, 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 you know, I, I love the VIA character strengths assessment from positive right. psychology. Yeah. Right. Uh, unsurprisingly, my top character strength is love. Right. And right. so, and, and that is true of every single coach who comes through our door because if i'm thinking of my other values of grit and freedom i look at every single soul that's that's walking through the door of lumia as like this is this is your 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 hopes your dreams your destiny and, mm. and not mm. the human themselves but all of the other humans that they're going to touch that the responsibility right. Right. of the absolutely yeah. from an ethical perspective to mm-hmm. model what love feels like so that that can be generative mm-hmm. um I take very seriously and again like and maybe maybe that's one of my values is seriousness right <laughs> like right, like even, right. I'm, not, I'm like i am dead fucking serious yes i like it yeah yeah well, there you go yeah and and okay so what what i think i'm hearing and this makes a ton of sense is that your values really need to serve as quality control. Yes. That's for everything yeah. that you're right. doing as, as a coach, because if, if you're not, if, if it's not, and something that um, I've, I've really recently come to understand and, and work with in the space of coaching is, is the cognitive dissonance and pain that takes place when you're operating in a way when your values are overrun. Mm. It's it's a special type of of pain, and I I've seen it take place probably the most in the way that people experience corporate America, where there's this company and they have these values and they say this is who we are, and then people get into their jobs and they're like this feels awful or even situations where, where I've had where, where my own values have been overrun, but I wasn't able to identify why it was so painful for me. Right. And so, so that's, you know, that's almost emotional security as we're kind of moving through these spaces. And and that is a classic, I, you know, I call it value conflict and I had this. So in, in one of the jobs, one of my last jobs in sales, I w- went to work for an American company called ADP, Automatic Data Processing, biggest yeah. payroll HR outsourcing company in the world, and uh, just a horrible company to work for. 
and uh, just, just I, I mean, sales at corporate level, there isn't a fat lot of integrity going on, but, but then it was just like the company that had an integrity bypass operation. It was just ridiculous, some of the stuff we, that we were asked to do in the name of profit. And that felt really uncomfortable. Now, I knew nothing about values at the time, Noel. So, you know, I didn't know that integrity was super important to me. Uh, I just felt uncomfortable. And it's just mm-hmm. like this, you know, I'm not happy doing this. In fact, my last three jobs in sales were all a little bit. And that's why I job hop thought, thinking, ah, it's just not, it's, it's not, I'll go to the next one. You know, it's a bit more money and what have you and what have you, and that'll sort it out. No, it's not that. And then now when I look back, I think, yeah, well, it's classic value conflicts. You know, integrity and freedom are two of my top four values. I wasn't allowed to eat, I couldn't access either of them. You know, so oh, well. you're, ne- you're never going to square that circle. No, and 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 so, as we're sitting here and 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 working to set coaches up for success, what advice would you give in terms of noticing that discomfort as you're building your business, and and what kind of of self talk needs to go in there around authenticity? values conflict um the the what happens if people don't like me um Mm. how how can we be protective for ourselves well i think in terms of you know you're talking about the self-talk i think you know with our values if i'm a big believer in rapid cognition so a lot of people called it you know gut instinct and even as little as 20 years ago, it was considered to be fairly woo-woo gut instinct. It's just like, well, who knows what that is. And now we know that there's a mini gut in the stomach. There's an enteric brain system between the brain and the gut that communicates. And I think for the most part, when we're out of alignment with our values and, and when we know we're doing something wrong, we know it. You know, how many times you ask anybody that's, done, that's made a big mistake and the amount of times they will say, I knew I shouldn't have done that. And, and we do that so frequently, but we override it. So the last job I ever took at sales, I went for the interview. I walked, they showed me around the building. I thought, I don't want this job. I don't want this job. I hate this job. Everything about it feels wrong. Went into the, um, the, the manager's office or the, or the CEO's office. And he said, uh, well, we, you know, we'd love to have you, Tim. And of course, there'll be a 10,000 pound golden hello, which is about $15,000 or whatever. And suddenly, boom, oh, did I say I didn't want that job? Oh, I do want it because it's 10,000 pounds. I literally bought a BMW on the way home. I'm not even joking. Come on, I bought a BMW. Of course, that way, yeah, it disappeared, the novelty of having that about yeah. two months later, because I didn't listen. I knew it was wrong for me. So I would say to coaches, you know, Go with your gut instinct in terms of more if stuff feels wrong than if it feels right. Sometimes we can start to see things. Yeah, I see, I know coaches that have really got burned on spending a lot of money on, on things that can help them get clients when they get desperate. And, and But if you get that sense that something feels wrong, if you've got that, well, this is you know too good to be true. It almost certainly is. So it's, yeah. it's li- listening to your gut, basically. It does it, this. Anybody listening to this who knows me, I think Bramson's getting a bit woo woo now. But 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 it's science, so it's okay to be woo woo when it's science. I, I, yeah, and I mean this this brings us to an excellent point. So you know, somatics, sensory exploration, um, mm-hmm. the market research that I've been doing in the wellness space. This is one of of the new frontier 
mm-hmm. is understanding the messages that come from the body, the soma. Mm-hmm. Um, the learning from this last week was that our senses actually compete with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and thinking about how to utilize that for our clients in session, how do we help them? You know, what does it mean when you have tingles? How as a coach, can you bring that into the space of coaching? How do we use all of the intuitive tools that, you know, our body has? Um, this is, these are conversations that weren't happening even five years ago. I was just going to say that. I don't think I'd heard of the word somatics five years ago. Yeah. Really to, now I'm seeing it everywhere. I think this is, this is really interesting. It, it is. So, you know, having been in the space of coaching for as long as you have been, where do you see the evolution of the field going? What What is your prediction for what coaching is going to be five years from now? Oh, you probably don't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't, well, because I'm going to say it's AI, it's all going to be robots and machines. No. <laughs> um, I I don't, I, I think the, the industry is, there's going to be a, a, or I think there already is starting to be a, a almost like a break in the industry of people who take it super, professionally and people who, who treat it more like a hobby people mm. who are going to um really do a deep dive in what it means to be a great coach but also not just that the side of it the marketing side of the business as well because at the moment there's so many coaches out there fighting for relatively so few clients that you've got to be a good coach you've really got to know marketing as well so i think it's going to be almost like a, a, a like you're going to end up with a hobby industry and then more like a, a, a professional industry. I don't know if that yeah. answers your question. But but I think because of AI as well, and that's something, you know, I'm spending about two hours a day listening to podcasts on AI and trying to get my head around that. That's yeah. It, everybody's up for grabs. And it and it's and 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 I I I agree with you. I um I wrote a TED talk that was almost accepted um uh, about five years ago that was that life coaching is the emotional and economic savior that society didn't know it needed. Um, and when I look at that, that break in hobby culture and professional culture, um, I, I see an expansion of the field and, and I see um, an expansion of the, of the client growth because what the, what the trends are indicating right now is that the consumer wants purpose, wants meaning, and that, industry is starting to see coaching as the missing link between um, behavioral change and actual behavioral mm-hmm. adaption. And, and whether we're talking about the space of medicine and health, or we're talking about the space of business where, where organizations are saying, well, what the hell do we have to do in order to create belonging, inclusion, and so forth? Mm-hmm. You know, roles for coaches are being created in that space. And, and the, the people who will occupy the professional space of the future are going to be the ones that you're talking about. The ones who are, are in it to win it as a hardcore professional versus folks who want to learn something because it's like brain candy. Right. And, 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 and that's it. And like I said, right at the beginning that, uh, you know, most of the people I did training with were there really to, to work on themselves. And, and, and it, they, this is a, you know, it's a business. It may be a vocation as well. It may be something you desperately want to help people. It's still a business. You cannot get around that. And you have to understand you know, the f- coaches that really frustrate me are the ones 
that come in. And one of the one of the intake questions before I even book a, a client call or a consult call with somebody is how many hours a week do you have to spend on building your business? And one of the checkboxes is less than five hours. Loads oh. of people put less than five. How the how can you build a business? Can you imagine saying, you know, I'm going to start a restaurant. I've only got five hours <laughs> a week to work on building it. But you know what? It'll probably be okay. No, it won't. Because the person yeah. who's doing 40 hours is going to be doing eight times more than you are, or things being equal. A musical reference uh, that you may or may not be familiar with, but I relate to very much, is um, the quote, I have my mind on my money and my money on my mind. Um, and, you know, as a, as a business owner, coaching practice and, and a company, um, it doesn't turn off. You know, no. thinking about my business, thinking about our students, no. thinking about my clients. Absolutely. It doesn't matter if I'm brushing my teeth or walking my dog or, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it is very much like oxygen that, yeah. that surrounds hundred percent. Uh, yeah. I wake so, up thinking about it every morning, literally, and, you know, literally. Yeah. What I have been thinking about and, and the reason that we've built Lumia to be such a loving, positive institution is if it is true, if it is true that as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a coach, it is going to be consuming. Well, let's freaking have fun. Let's mm. have love. Let's have joy. Let's laugh. Let's live. Let's orient our values because it is, it is consuming. And mm. I feel that if I'm going to be consumed by something, uh, this is a pretty great slice of, of humanity to be engaging in. Um, yeah. what, what advice would you give to somebody who's, who's just starting out in 2023? Because we are living mm -hmm. through some weird times. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so what, 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 what advice would you give? Uh, to folks who are who are looking out into the landscape of society and saying, "I I want to be I want to be a coach." Well, I, I'm going to guess that there's you, know, you. You touched on something. I'm not sure if it's right at the beginning or before we we started recording that that you know coaches are there to help people. There's there's yeah, and I've heard so many people say, "Oh, the coaches they're just in it for the money." I almost never meet a coach like that. They're no. just there, there are some, and we know some of the people that are successful there, but they're very, very few and far between. Most coaches do it because they really want to help people. So, so I'm going to presume anybody listening to this really that's a given. So, if you don't want to help people, yeah, don't do it. Go, go and flip burgers or something. I have no idea, you know. Um, but if you really want to do it, then you've got to put the same amount of effort into building your business, into your marketing, into understanding marketing, as you have understanding coaching and being the best coach. So I spent the first three years of my coaching career just doing more and more coach training, thinking that'll do it. That's the last one. Yeah, I, I li literally had about 12 certificates on the wall behind me. It's just look at the certificates, but I had nobody to show them because I had not any clients, you know, because nobody can see the certificates, you know, from the other end of the internet or what have you. So it's really understanding and being prepared and, and having the time as well. So it's not one piece of it. Don't do it if you've only got five hours a week. Yeah. You can't because you can't compete with the person that's got forty hours a week. It's just how can you possibly do that? I, I think that's you know that's a great um, expectation set of 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 the different pieces that have to be 
moved into place and the fear barrier that has to be overcome. I've seen the same thing as you and I experienced the same thing as you of getting more and more and more education. I even plowed myself into a PhD because mm. I really wanted to understand, you know, the human behavior and hilariously and ironically, the marketing piece was what held me up. The reason that we have Lumia today was because I was so scared of putting out my own shingle and standing on the work that I do as a coach that it was actually easier for me to build a huge company. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. That is ironic, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Was and so you know that and and it and it's it's such it's such an interesting juxtaposition of of the personal and the public and the education mm. and the craft and um and the mindset you know that goes into it. So, and, and by the way, you, you said something interesting there about you you wanted to do the PhD because you wanted to learn about you know the human condition. I think there's a big difference between learning. You know, I'm a voracious learner. I mean, like I said, I listen to about two hours of podcasts every day. I'm out for my, my dogs a couple an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, and um, you know, I think that that's one thing. It, but it's the doing it. Be do it because you want to and because you you want the knowledge and you you love learning but don't think that that's the thing that's going to separate you from the competition because it yeah. isn't coaches uh, or clients are going to hire the coach they like and the coach who, who can sort of demonstrate their value not the one with the most training nobody ever asked you know in all my times as a coach i think i got asked like a handful of times now uh, what you know what 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 cert certifications I got. Just yeah. nobody cares about that. They just want yeah. something they like. Yeah. And I, I, and I think, you know, that's probably the piece from a confidence perspective that yeah. folks will, will wrestle with, with the most is, am I likable? You know, who right. are my, my people? Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, to that end, I, I would say to the young coach, you know, turn the mirror on yourself because you like people. You're in this because yeah. you want to help people. You care right. about people. That is going to be apparent in what you're putting out into the world. And it's valuable. It, it is. And everybody's likable to certain people. I agree. You know, you've just got to be, and that, it comes back to what I was saying before. It, you may not be like, you know, other people, there may be loads of people that don't like you. That's fine because you can only deal with a few clients at once anyway. Focus on the people that get you and like you, that are in your tribe and just talk to those people. Stop trying to appeal to everybody and get everybody to like you because, because they won't, you know, simple as that. Yeah. And I think the key thing you said there is talk to people, that yeah. you can't do this work unless you're talking to people. No, absolutely not. No, somebody said to me the other day, if you had to start your business, well, it was two or three weeks ago now, if you had to start your business from scratch now, what would you do? You've got no website, you've got no newsletter, you've got nothing, no social media. I'd like this. I'd pick this up. I'd call everybody I know. I'd say, who do you know that could benefit from what I do? And I'll tell you something now, I know I could get clients in the first week to get me relative. And that's not because I'm a brilliant salesperson. That's because I'm prepared to ask people. And so many coaches, you know, talking about my Facebook group, every, so I put a welcome message in there today saying to, to the dozen people or so that joined this week saying, 
ask questions. If you want my help, tag me. I will, I will answer every question I get asked. I will help anybody that asks my help. And I guarantee you now none of them will. Well, maybe one, but uh, out the group, I probably get tagged once a week. And like, I would kill to have me, or would have done 15 years ago, a group like mine where I can go and pick my brains for free. Last question for you, Tim. Yes. This has been a wonderful conversation. Um, if folks want to ask questions of you, <laughs> where where can they find you? They, well, they can find me at thefullybookcoach.com or they can come and join my Facebook group, which is called The Fully Book Coach. So it's facebook.com slash groups, The Fully Book Coach. And uh, yeah, and they can, they can test it out. Tim, thank you so much for thank a you. wonderful conversation today. And, you know, so many of our listeners uh, use this podcast as a companion as they're going through coach training. So we hope that they will come find you when they are ready to get into the business of marketing and branding and, and sourcing those clients. Um, I hope you have a great day and everyone. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. It's been great. Thanks. Oh, indeed. Indeed. We'll have to, we'll have to figure out a visit at some point. Um, and we will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.